Fasten your seatbelts. It's going to be a bumpy night. All these girls gonna be in the league? Hello, gorgeous. Female fight club. All men must die, but we are not men. Damn it, Kristen! What do you think happened to Karen? Lauren. Girl, her name is Kimberly. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Citizen Dame, the podcast where four awesome ladies talk about lots of stuff. And sometimes it's fun, and sometimes it's not fun. But, you know, even when it's horrible stuff, sometimes it's still kind of fun to talk about, right? Right. Anyway, uh-huh. uh, <laughs> yeah, this is episode 30, wow. the big 3 Oh, Can you believe we've been doing this for that long? That seems like forever and it seems like we just got started but we're all an inch away from becoming millionaires yes yes we are. <laughs> influencers we're influencers yes right yes, yes. that's very important distinction uh <laughs> all right well i am karen peterson i am joined as always by Kristen lopez hello everybody lauren humphreys brooks hi and kimberly pierce hello hello and we have got a lot of stuff to talk about. There's been just a lot happening this week. A lot of of just stuff in the world. A lot in the world of Hollywood. So um, let's just jump right in with something that... Sorry guys, I didn't throw this on the agenda. But uh, we were talking about a little bit off air. Uh, something that's just driving me crazy is when people refer to films as being a totally great example of what's happening in the world and they're misinterpreting what the movie is about or totally forgetting what the movie's about (laughs) um of course there are things happening in syria and this as of the time of this recording is saturday so last night when you when you guys finally hear this will be several days ago but uh last night or yesterday of course the united states had some airstrikes on syria and this is kind of a scary time and we don't know what's going to happen, but a lot of people took to Twitter to talk about the fact that the president's using Syria as a distraction from some of his personal and some of our domestic issues, and they started comparing it to the movie Wag the Dog, which of course is a film from, what year was that? Late 90s, wasn't it? Uh, Late 90s or maybe 2000, oh, 97, it was 97. It was Dustin Hoffman and Robert De Niro, and of course it's um, it's coming up on an election, the president's embroiled in a sex scandal, and so they hire a Hollywood producer to create this war in order to cover up the sex scandal, except for the thing is that the war is completely staged. They hire actors, and they do everything on a soundstage, and it's all special effects and props and everything. The war is not real in the movie that's the point of the movie this is not <laughs> happening in real life <laughs> yes this is it's why we need to know film history people. exactly exactly <laughs> and that's the thing it's like driving me crazy so many people are oh my gosh you need to go back and watch walk the dog because this is totally relevant today and it's like okay yes but it's also not the same thing at all <laughs> Like, what people really are talking about is more like, this is the one I brought up on Twitter, it's more like the movie Canadian Bacon, which actually is a cold war, not a hot war, with actual missiles falling from the sky, but still, it's it, it's more of a, an appropriate example of what's really going on, where they go out and try to stir up international problems with other countries in order to distract from the, dis- the problems that are happening at home, so... 
Wag the Dog is a perfectly good movie. I remember enjoying it when it came out, and I remember thinking how it made a lot of sense in the world, but it's not the right example, guys. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, you know, you have people saying, like, oh, everybody should be watching this, just like you obviously did not watch it. Right. Because <laughs> then you would know what the actual plot is. I, I saw the same thing yesterday, and I, I lost my shit about it. I was just like, no, wait a minute. That is not the plot of Wag the Dog. Don't tell people that that's the plot. Exactly. The entire fucking point of the movie is that the war is not real. It's a hoax. It's a <laughs> that's hoax. That's the highlight, point. Like, uh, Kirsten Dunst is, like, hired to play a character, uh, a, an orphan girl. Like, it's a, it's, yeah. it's made up. It's a made exactly. up war. Literally. Exactly. Exactly. So, all right. That's my personal rant for this week. Don't worry. There will be plenty more in the next hour and a half or so. But uh, <laughs> that's just to get things started. Just a little bit of a, oh my gosh, people. Watch a movie before you start talking about how appropriate it is and how it matches up with real life. All right. Uh, so let's get into some um, garbage people because we've got a lot of them. Of course we do. Uh, well, you know, it's actually not anybody new this week. We've got some follow-ups on some people we've been talking about for way too long. Um, let's talk about some potentially interesting news. Uh, Kevin Spacey, the Los Angeles District Attorney, is actually reviewing a case against him that could lead to actual charges of sexual assault. Now, I'm not sure exactly what that will mean because apparently this incident is from 1992. And I'm not sure how that fits into the statute of limitations that does still exist for cases that happened in the 90s here in Los Angeles County. So I'm not entirely sure. But, um, you know, I'm glad to see that jurisdictions are actually taking these cases seriously and are actually doing their due diligence and not just writing it all off as, as things that are not prosecutable, um, that they're actually really looking into this. What do you guys think? I'm, I'm a bit more cynical. They're reviewing it. There's mm -hmm. no charges. There's yeah. no talk of anything. So this could all just disappear in a week. Um, so I'm, I'm of the view that they're doing their due diligence by looking at these things but with the way rape cases are so hard to prosecute at all in this country um i think that's all it's going to be it's just going to be a review there's they're going to say there's not enough proof or evidence to to charge anything times too much time has gone by um i think they're just looking at these cases so they can say that they looked at them exactly I hate to say it, I'm with Kristen on that. I mean, I think it is indicative that they're at least taking some of these things seriously, uh, and they're mm -hmm. pursuing them. So, I, yeah, maybe I'm somewhere in the middle on this. That I, I would like to see actually something to come of this. Of course, we, we see what happens even when, um, even when cases go to trial. We have the Cosby uh, rape case that is, is coming back around again. We have a new jury. And... and it's it's still not you know i mean why is bill cosby not in prison this is what i want to know i don't understand and and there is a preponderance of evidence and a preponderance of witnesses and a preponderance of accusers in that case and we're still we're going back around on it again you know so it is 
it's depressing, but at the same time, I do. I, I am glad to see that at least places are taking these things seriously and they're pursuing them. What that is ultimately going to result in, who the hell knows? Right. Yeah, I agree. I'm not saying like, oh, Kevin Spacey's totally going to go to prison because the chances of that actually happening are so beyond minimal that, yeah. uh, you know, it's just, I mean, yeah, like we can't even get Bill Cosby in prison. Luckily, he is now being retried in the age of Me Too, and I really think that that is going to have a different result. I, I really, really hope so. I, I yeah. really hope so. But I, but I mean, I agree with what you're saying, Kristen, too. I think that, that some of this is, I mean, it's, they're looking into it because they need to, but I'm glad that they are because they easily could just go, oh no, this case is from 92 and just, you know, push it aside. Right. So, yeah. So, um, okay. Well, someone who actually might have a chance of going to prison, possibly. Oh, T.J. Miller. Oh, T.J., T.J., T.J. In a way, he's kind of the gift that keeps on giving. (laughs) Isn't it great that we really kept him in Ready Player One? We totally could have not kept him in the movie. It would have been so easy. He's a voice in that movie. It would have been so easy to swap him out. Don't tell Steve what to do with his movie, okay? I would (laughs) never. There's still time to put Christopher Plummer in There is still time. There, there is, is still time, people. Yes. Um, but let's talk about the week that T.J. Miller has had. <laughs> because it's it's interesting. This, I feel, is something akin to... Oh, gosh. What is that? Ah. Sorry. Do you guys hear that? No. That might have been me. Uh, it's, no, I think it was it? me. But, oh, my gosh. No. Sorry. I hate autoplay. If you have a website, turn off autoplay on your videos and audio. I, I thought Stupid. like a bug had fallen on you. I was driving today and a bug yeah. flew out <laughs> of like my vent and like hit me in the lip and I was like freaking out. Mind you, I'm driving. Oh my gosh. I was trying to drive and there's a bug on me. It was very touch and go for a second. Oh, that's the worst. <laughs> oh man, that's awful. Um, okay, so but yeah, so this whole TJ Miller thing. So um, he was arrested for uh, making a fake bomb threat at the airport because that's a smart thing to do. Why? Why does that make sense? <laughs> like Kim, Kim, l- uh, let me tell you: when you're uh, on drugs, lo- I mean, I've never done drugs, but I'm guessing that the logic <laughs> is that things make sense to you. How yeah. stupid yeah. do you have to be to think <laughs> this is a good thing? It wasn't to that do. he called in this bomb threat. It was something about he was he was had issues with a woman who was sitting in the same row as him. And then he called on yeah, the train. On the train. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Yeah, it was not the airport. It was the yeah. train. And then yeah. he That's called. But he was arrested yeah. at And the then airport. he called in this bomb threat that she was on the train and blamed her and said she had a bomb on her. And they stopped this train, pulled everybody off, asked this woman what was going on. And she probably said, this son of a bitch is crazy. And they proved that he, she was right. And yeah, he's a moron. Yeah. I just want to know what he thought the end game was going to be. Yeah, that's what I want to know. Like, did he really yeah. think they would find something on this woman and that they would arrest her? Did he plant well, like, why did he, he planted a bomb? I don't know. I don't know what he did. I want to know what <laughs> was he Well, they found no going, evidence oh, of any to... explosives at all. <laughs> so, I mean, clearly there was nothing yeah. there. But it's like, yeah, he, mu- he must have 
just for was, why did he think he was gonna get away with it it's a good question was, was it him really going know. oh ha ha this is gonna delay her train for a couple of hours take that jokes yeah. are always funny. you bitch <laughs> didn't he see you meet the parents you can't even say the word bomb or else you get arrested <laughs> come on like geez what an idiot it, and TJ. he did get arrested and now it looks like the federal prosecutors are planning on charging him with a federal crime because they should I've heard so, at least five good. years, right? If, yeah. if he is charged. Yeah. If he actually like is convicted and serves time, I have a feeling he will end up pleading it out. And I was about to say, probably he is a male not in Hollywood. Any... So. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and I mean, it's, it's in everybody. In this case, it's probably in everybody's best interest to just let him plea it. Maybe do either some... Um, house arrest where he has to stay at home for you know a certain amount of time or probation or something the thing is this is not his first arrest he was arrested in 2016 for assault on an uber driver i really think does anybody remember that scene that he was in in uh get him to the greek where he thought he was hard and like he was talking about he was talking to his drug dealer friend about get out of his room and the guy's like i'm gonna stab you in the chest and then he stabs him and then like jonah hill has to leave him outside the hospital um I feel like that's T.J. Miller in a nutshell. Like, he really thinks he's tough until <laughs> someone stabs him. And then he's like, oh, shit. I suck as a human. Yeah. Get yeah. Great, great movie, this... by the way. <laughs> I have not I'm, seen I'm it, actually. I'm fine with him but... getting some kind of house arrest as long as they don't give him a work release. Yes, yes, yeah. seriously. Make yeah. him stay home. Yeah. Oh, my but God. This whole situation, it feels a little bit, I mean, obviously he's not going to, like, go away for life or anything like that. But I kind this kind of feels a little bit like getting Al Capone on tax evasion. It's like this is not the worst representation of what he has done or who he is as a person. But if it gets people to finally open their eyes and just be done with him, I'm fine with it. You guys think he thinks he's Deadpool? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's like Deadpool would totally do this. I am Deadpool. <laughs> Uh, there is still time not, to replace him. Who among <laughs> us has not thought about calling in a fake bomb threat while sitting on an Amtrak train? I mean, you know, I'm two, sure. I am two. sure. <laughs> yeah. Somewhere, Josh Brolin is sitting in a lounge chair being like, God, thank the Lord it was not me doing a dumbass stunt on drugs. <laughs> He's thanking his lucky stars. Oh, yeah. Uh, okay, so let's move on from. Um, Todd Joseph Miller. That's his and, full name? Uh, <laughs> God, <laughs> he said Todd. Impressive name drop there, Karen. <laughs> and let's move on to another garbage person. That would be uh, someone that Kristen once ran into in front of Sprinkles on in Beverly Hills. We looked at each other with <laughs> eye contact for 10 seconds, and I went in and got a delicious cupcake and ignored him. <laughs> and you enjoyed the crap I out of that did. cupcake because they are amazing. Um, all right, so Brett Ratner has not had a good week either. Although his did not end in arrest, his ended with Warner Brothers not renewing a four hundred fifty million dollars. And sometimes deal. for people in Hollywood, that's worse. Oh Ouch. yeah, I I would say for most people in Hollywood, <laughs> that's probably worse. A half a billion dollars. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So. Um, let's see. I've got the story. This is from Variety. And, um, 
so the studio had already opted not to renew a first look deal that they had with uh, his company Rat Pack Entertainment after his allegations first came up this is several months ago um, people including like Olivia Munn had uh, accused him of all kinds of things we don't need to get into the specifics because they're gross um, but yeah so first they had already cancelled the first look deal and now they're just not even going to deal with him anymore at all they're done with him so he's out uh no work with warner brothers who uh -huh. knows what this means yeah like good riddance i'm glad i'm really glad that they went ahead and did that i mean it does kind of seem so. like everybody's kind of saving face because it says that the pact have been scheduled to expire this spring so they're really yeah. just kind of moving the date up um but I think the fact that, yeah, they decided that regardless of how much money he had brought in, it was still not worth it. That's something. It is. They and didn't that's, renew and, anything. Right. And that's Although I point. feel bad that I, I mean, went and saw he... Rampage, which was the last movie co-financed by this company. <laughs> yeah, good job, <laughs> It was Kristen. free. Joke's on you. God. I did my due diligence and went and saw A Quiet Place twice. So if John Krasinski's movie wins first place again, I think he owes me a thank you for that. He owes all of us a thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I really need to thank him, but we'll talk more about that later. Um, so, yeah. So, Ratner the Rat is done at Warner Brothers. Good Yay. riddance to him. Okay. So, um, let's see. Where shall we go next? Well, let's stick with Warner Brothers for a minute. This is not garbage, people. This is news. Um good-ish news that Warner Brothers has decided to hire a woman to write a movie about a woman. Who's My god. <laughs> like, no. what a concept, right? No. Um, <laughs> yeah, Christina Hodson. Yes! Christina Hodson will be writing the script for Batgirl, which is the film that Joss Whedon abandoned because he couldn't find a story to write about Batgirl with the only 50 years of source material that he had <laughs> to go on. I'm assuming Joss Whedon's version was he talked to Stephen King, and Stephen King said, well, obviously it's about the horrors of Batgirl on her period. And then they just couldn't make that work, and they had to part ways. Right. <laughs> yes. Give them so time, a draft will come out like that. <laughs> oh, I'm sure, I'm sure. Um, so for those of you who don't know Christina Hodson, don't be surprised because she's actually a pretty new voice in screenwriting. Um, she has two films that have already come out and now two that are on their way. Her first script was Shut In in 2016. Did anybody see that? Nope. nope. With Naomi Watts. It's a oh, horror I thought it was movie. that horror I movie with Nicole Kidman. Okay, so yeah, they're totally unmemorable. <laughs> 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 yeah, this is Naomi Watts and Jacob Tremblay. Um, and it's, there's like a... That's not Book of Henry. Okay. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, I never saw it either, but um, it probably isn't very good. It's got a 25 Metacrit Metacritic score, but... But I remember being interested and curious about it. Um, she also wrote the script for last year's very forgettable movie, Unforgettable. Dude, okay, I <laughs> I support that movie. I know it's trash, and I know women say that it like set feminism back like twenty years, which it did. But 
Katherine Heigl is just so good playing a villain, and it's pretty much an advertisement slash audition for her being Ivanka Trump at some point in a movie. It's delightful. <laughs> nice. I'm so, all for women failing awesome. upwards. I mean, <laughs> if men can fail yes, into... Yeah, I agree. If Colin Trevorrow can fail into a Star Wars movie, I am all for women being able to write just, like, crappy movies or direct crappy movies and get even bigger and better movies on top of it. I am fine with that. Well, and she is continuing that because I'm looking at her IMDb and her next movie appears to be a Transformers spinoff. It is. It's Bumblebee. She wrote the script for Bumblebee. <laughs> totally which okay actually, I mean, that's a yes. pretty big deal. So, um, up, yeah. up with female mediocrity. Come yes. on. We can be exactly. just as mediocre as dudes. Let's go. <laughs> exactly. But that's the thing, too, though. It's like, I mean, films are so collaborative that I'm really curious what the original script look like compared to the final product you know i mean maybe mm -hmm. her scripts aren't the problem <laughs> so i don't know i'm i'm just glad that they were like yeah okay we should get a woman to write a female superhero um i hope that patty jenkins is listening <laughs> so um yeah i'm gonna see it i don't care i'm gonna support this I, I, I'll see Batgirl. It depends. <laughs> yeah. I, I hope they don't, I hope they do something interesting with the story and don't do the usual, but yeah. it's DC keeps keeping it interesting and I'll support them. Well, and I think that we have less to worry about with this particular writer yes, than the fact, I mean, we don't know who the director's going to be. And so. I, I could, I, I've said my good things about him, but I could also see Mr. Whedon have been going straight to the, you know, killing, you know, shooting her and turning into her into Oracle well, so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We'll see. So, anyway, I'm just glad they're giving a woman a chance, so mm -hmm. good job. Okay, let's see. Um, let's talk about... Where do you guys want to go next? Should we talk about... Let's let's talk Rob? about Simpsons real quick. Because that oh, is yes. kind that of a disaster way. and can segue us into other disasters. Yeah, okay. So, um, I, I don't watch The Simpsons. I haven't watched The Simpsons in at least 15 years. I will watch old episodes when, like, um, what is it, FXX does their, like, um, marathon of old stuff. And I usually stop about 99, 2000, because that's when I moved away because my grandparents watched a lot of Simpsons. Long story short, um, I have not watched it in a long time, but if you guys want to know how old I am, I am old enough to remember watching when the Simpsons were little short segments on the Tracy Ullman show before they were a show. So <laughs> You're old, yeah. okay. man. You're so I am. old. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> well, but either yeah. way, people, people know about Apu. The delightful Quickie Mart owner, uh, voiced by Hank Azaria, who is not Indian. And there was a documentary He's released... also not Puerto Rican, and he was great in the birdcage. Yes, I was just <laughs> going to say, the delightful Hank Azaria. That's very true. Hank Azaria represents both everything good and bad about film. Um, but there was a documentary um, last, I think it was last year, um, directed by Hari Kondabalu, uh, called The Problem with Apu, which looked at the film or the character being a stereotype and he interviewed Indian actors and directors and uh, who pretty much responded that they felt that the character wasn't just politically incorrect it was completely offensive to them and that they had been dealing with decades of stereotyping because of that 
Well, The Simpsons never really responded to it, but then they decided to do an episode um, surrounding the the whole controversy. Um, they called it No Good Read Goes Unpunished, where Marge is reading a bedtime story to Lisa that she discovers is racist. And it is a back and forth discussion about how can you enjoy art if it's racist, you know, can you still enjoy it? And Marge says at a certain point, something that started decades ago and was applauded and inoffensive is now politically incorrect. What can you do? And at a certain point, Lisa looks at a photo of Apu, which is on her bedside table, that has the line, don't have a cow written on it. And Marge responds by saying, some things will be dealt with at a later date, to which Lisa says, if at all. And a lot of people thought that was the biggest fuck you to this documentary. Um, that the Simpsons essentially said they didn't care. This was political, this was li white liberal snowflakes or something um, to that effect. Social justice warriors who felt that Apu was politically incorrect, but it's totally not. And I think what The Simpsons intentionally forgets is there was a load of criticism about Apu when the series started. Yeah. That they willingly looked over. And well, it was 800 years ago, so that's true, exactly. That it, was, it was written on cave paintings. Um, <laughs> and so you know, this the show has gotten a lot of flack, and people were bringing up the fact, especially that you have Lisa Simpson, the character that has come to embody complaining. I mean, god damn it, she did an episode about Barbie dolls and how women don't how, how women deal with stereotyping of that. They could do that right, but they can't acknowledge, yeah, all these years we fucked up. We, we acknowledge this and try to find some sort of way to make it better. You, they're acting like this is just some problem that nobody really cared about. People do care about it. So, bad move, Simpsons, bad move. But they don't care. They've been on for, like, ever. So. Yeah, well, and that's the thing. It's like, they, these kinds of things tend to only be dealt with when the viewers force them to. Yeah. And the problem is that a lot of their viewers support them and don't care. And so what's their incentive to fix it? Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I mean, the, the, the incentive, the incentive I think is, is more about um, honesty and more about actually, you know, being willing to address those kind those kinds of problems that, and, and even the, the, the documentary wasn't particularly saying that we have to erase the existence of Apu. We have to erase the existence of The Simpsons. It was saying, like, there are a lot of good things about it. In fact, there's there's been a lot of discussion about Apu as being, in many ways, a very a positive stereotype. Um, and probably one of the best developed non-white, non-yellow, I don't know how, how do you want to put it, characters on uh, The Simpsons. But at the same time, he's got all these other things that are attached to him that has been about stereotyping Indians, has been about the way that Indians have been perceived in American television and the way that immigrants are perceived and all of that. And like they could actually do make a good faith effort to change the way that their show approaches these characters. And they're just basically being like, eh, well, we can't do anything about it. Sorry, bye. Yeah. I mean, I agree with you that, that the incentive should be just doing the right thing but unfortunately that's just too often not how it works and that's something that needs to change well and for a, sh for a show that for so long has been 
progressive. You know, you're talking about Mal, uh, the the Lisa Simpson episode with Malibu Stacy with the Barbie dolls, and mm-hmm. The Simpsons for a very long time has been this very progressive television show, and it's like we're we're reaching that point where. You know, it's kind of like the discussion that we had about Roseanne, which is that suddenly all of these things that were initially being seen as progressive just are either regressing or are not moving forward at all. And The Simpsons isn't right. moving forward. That's that's what I was just going to say. The Vera sh- that show has been just, it felt like for so many uh, decades now was on the forefront to have it just hit this point and stop is incredibly sad that they're handling it in just this way it's really it's terrible but is it really all that surprising for a show where the main characters have been like 10 years old for 30 years i mean they're they're not a show that's about moving forward no so they're very they, much trapped in their time they've handled other situations oh they in... definitely have yeah. i'm just saying like i mean they don't seem very interested in in personal progress really you know no yeah i that's that's absolutely true but i i don't know i feel like this actually you know people have criticized particularly recent seasons of the simpsons of like everyone keeps on asking who the hell is watching this show anymore because no one likes it no one like everybody talks about the simpsons being like this is this show hasn't been good for the past 10 years why why is it still on um, this could have been a turning point for them. This could have been a point where they decided, you know what, we're actually going to address some of these issues, and we're going to start changing the show, not just critiquing what is going on in the current moment, but critiquing the show from within, including dealing with the, with issues like Apu. And and they didn't do it. They, and yeah, they're not they're not interested in it. You know, eventually The Simpsons will go off the air, but it's very sad to see this thing that could have been very good just sort of being like eh, whatever yeah i hope i get to live to see a day where people start course correcting themselves without being shamed into doing it mm-hmm. so um yeah i don't know uh let's see there is a little bit of an issue with another movie that's coming out soon well, not soon, but they've been announcing this movie called Run This Town, which do you guys remember Rob Ford from Toronto? Another man who did delightful <laughs> things while high on cocaine. Oh my gosh. Oh yeah. And there is so much video evidence of it. Oh, that that was just a weird time and how embarrassing for Canada, you know? Like that was just it's like Oh. Canada, you're embarrassing yourself. Hurrah! <laughs> exactly. We, we weren't. You were. <laughs> I have a dream that this movie will inspire other stories about men who did crazy shit on, on yes. Glow. Like, I got yeah. a list of people. I got a list. <laughs> so, well, here's the deal with this movie. Run this town. So it's about Rob Ford, but it's really more about some investigations that were going on um, in his his administration i guess it's administration and the tenacious reporter that was investigating all of this that's the thing that essentially yeah, why don't you talk down. about it yeah yeah why don't you talk about it Kristen? so so it's um one of those movies about you know like reporter gets the story of a lifetime 
against this big politician. We've seen it before. And you've probably seen it with the same gender at the heart of it. Um, so it sounds like this movie has a lead character played by Ben Platt, who is a fictional character that works for a newspaper that gets this information. Now, if you don't remember the real story about what happened, the person who brought Rob Ford down was a Toronto reporter named Robin Doolittle. And Robin had breasts. So they replaced <laughs> yes, her she did. with a man in this fictional movie. And Ben Platt tried to course correct and say, oh, well, you know, this is this is a different set of circumstances. Like, we're going to acknowledge that she's doing this story and that I'm just this, like, upstart. No, dude, no. It's historical fiction. Ta-da! <laughs> I think Ryan yeah. Murphy really fucked us with that whole, like, I can say whatever I want in historical thing and it doesn't really matter if it's true um i mean i know other people have done it before but now that like ryan murphy won that court case it's all gonna be bad um so yeah this is another he won on appeal <sighs> let's just get that straight <laughs> but the point is is it does it did bring up a lot of discussion about how female reporter movies tend to be about women who are like screwing the subject of their interviews um you know women aren't really at the forefront of these types of scandal expose type of films it's always men and this is not helping change that narrative yeah exactly well then to to jump to jump but to stick with the subject of this movie that casting of i mean of rob ford man if he were because if I'm correct, he has passed on. Am I right to have yeah, Damien Rob Lewis? Ford, yeah, Rob him. Ford died in 2016. So and that that extremely pleasant casting of Damien Lewis, who it's so pretty and it's very generous <laughs> casting. Yes, very generous. <laughs> <laughs> so that should show us right now that that just there that this movie has absolutely no basis in fact. Yeah, don't it's you know, not going Kim, for actual... Okay, don't you know Prince Charles was hot, <laughs> Rob Ford was hot, Hitler was hot. I mean, it's all a matter of time. <laughs> Hitler's going to be played oh. by, like, Army Hammer one day, okay? <laughs> I mean, come on. Oh my I apologize gosh. if Army Hammer's listening. I don't want him playing Hitler. Oh, man. Okay. I've got some dark new places opening up in my mind. <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> Oh, Happy to God. help. Happy to help. I mean, it would fit some of the things. No, I'm just oh kidding. 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 This is why we don't record on Saturday nights, guys. Because it just gets weird. Like, oh my gosh. Okay, let's get off this topic quick. Um, okay, let's talk. Let's talk very quickly about HBO being one of the few companies that was just like, hey, wait. We might have screwed up, and people are going to call us out, so we're going to fix it. So apparently, this is from Vulture, apparently HBO heard all the rumblings when Netflix got in trouble for pay disparity with The Crown, and rightfully so, because that was ridiculous. And so HBO went, hey, let's fix this before we get outed for having a problem. And so they did. They went through all their shows. This is HBO executive Casey Bloys says that the network went through all of their shows and looked for pay disparities. And when they found them, they fixed them. So uh, they did not give any specifics. 
In fact, the article says, Bloys wouldn't provide an example of a show that underwent a pay correction, not even whether it rhymed with Best World or Flame <laughs> of Bones. <laughs> Noting that it's just, quote, people getting what they deserve. And by that, he means boatloads of money. So, but I just want to take a minute to say HBO, good job. Way to not be on our garbage list. So, <laughs> and it's such a long right. list too. It's an ever-growing list, but best world. <laughs> Flame of bones. <laughs> All right. Um, okay. So, last bit of news I'd like to talk about, and this is, I think, going to be an interesting discussion: Netflix versus Cannes Film Festival. So, just a quick sum up and then we'll talk about it. Uh, Basically, Ted Sarandos, who is the chief content officer for Netflix, has announced that they, the entire service, none of their films are going to be at Cannes at all, under any circumstances. And this is because of a rule that uh, Cannes actually had announced last year, but it's enforced this year, that any film that does not have theatrical distribution in France is not eligible to compete at the festival. They can still screen. They just can't be in any of the competitive categories and nobody can vote for them. They can't win awards. Um, And so Netflix just said, "Eh, all right, then there's no point in us showing up and we're just not going to be there and we're going to have a big giant party in a castle instead. So that's basically what happened. They're so cool. <laughs> <laughs> well, and this thing turned on Twitter. It turned on Twitter into this big debate that was Netflix is trying to destroy the theaters. That they don't want you to go see a movie in a theater anymore. And when theaters start dying, everybody, you guys will have no one to blame but yourself because you guys want to sit at home and watch Netflix. Um, What's funny about that argument is that the guy who started Netflix went on and started Movie Pass. Just saying. True. That's. I mean, and nobody. No, as Lauren will point out, nobody was saying you had to choose one. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Exactly. And yeah. and my whole thing, to, and that this is still like going viral on Twitter, is I was you know I think Lauren was talking to somebody about the, the privilege element of saying, like, you have to choose, and if you choose theater, that there's this inherent, like, privilege to it. And it led to me to say, like, we want to blame movie theaters. If, if anybody wants to blame movie theaters for dying, it's movie theaters. Yeah. They mm-hmm. don't cater to changing times. We've seen that. I've discussed how they are very resi- they were very resistant going back to the 80s about home video release because they thought that it was going to kill them. Um, you know, my issue is, is that anybody who says, like, you have to choose, and if you like Netflix, you automatically hate theaters, um, predominantly are able-bodied, because as I've documented, movie theaters do not give a fuck about being accessible for the disabled. So, really, theaters have no one to blame but themselves, and they're not gonna go the way of the dodo, okay? They said this with VHS, they said this with DVD, they're fine. They, they just, it, everybody they calm down. TV. They right. They TV back right. in like the 1950s, for God's yeah. sake. However yeah. the fuck you want to watch a movie is fine, okay? Can't we just go back to yelling at people who download films illegally? I mean, like, that seems yes. to be a common thing that we can all agree on you're kind of a dick about. 
Right. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing. Like, I mean, Kristen, you're exactly right. Uh, the problem with movie theaters is movie theaters, you know, for this, for less, like for, I can watch an, in, you know, 7,000 Netflix movies in a month. If I had time to watch 7,000 in a whole month for less than it costs for me to go see a matinee down the street at my movie theater, you know, I mean, they're way overpriced and I know that they have to charge a lot because the studios charge a lot. I get that. But they're not doing a lot to make you want to go. When it's when a family has to choose between $100 for movie tickets to see the latest 3D movie, that's 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 ridiculous and you're not going to give people a lot of reason or even the it's it, you're not masses you're not marketing to mass audiences. You're not you're just not. And then when you go into the theater and they're not that well, they're not that well kept, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. I've been into theaters where I literally had an experience. I won't say what theater I've already worked it out with them, but I had an experience where it was so dirty. I went to pour a drink and my feet, my shoes literally were stuck to the floor and I had to peel my feet off of the floor <laughs> in order to move away from the drink machine. And when I told the manager about that later, she had no idea that that had happened, even though she'd been there that night. So it's like you have those kinds of things going on. And then on top of that, you've got accessibility problems where they're not making it accessible for people like Kristen, like a lot of other people who just want to go watch a damn movie. And it's like this impossible endeavor for, for you. And, and they're reason is oh well we're complying with the law well why don't you just make a system where it's designed for everybody universal design is by definition for everybody to enjoy and there's no reason why you can't do things like that and so theaters are killing themselves mm -hmm. by totally not putting themselves in the shoes of the consumer and really looking at what do people actually want to get out of this and they keep they keep trying to throw in more and more amenities and yes I really like the leather recliners and please don't take those away my regal down the street from me but <laughs> you know but all these other things all these frills it's like okay why don't you just ask me what I want from a movie theater instead of just trying to guess so yeah the uh i mean I, I i absolutely agree with you guys obviously i think that this it's weird that we're setting up this binary of you either like streaming or you truly believe in movie theaters it's just like well i mean i like both and i like them for different reasons um yeah. if you said to me you have to go you have to give up you either have to give up watching movies at home or you have to give up going to the movie theaters I hate to say it, I'm going to give up going to the movie theaters. Mm -hmm. Because the movies that I watch at home, I have a lot more available to me for a lower price. And yeah, and yeah, most of the movies that are in the movie theaters are going to come into my home at some point, right? I'm going to be able to get them on Netflix or Amazon or, you know... Redbox. Red Nobody Box. complains about Redbox. Well, and, and mm -hmm. here's the other thing, and, and I think that this is where things get confused. So, you know, the initial conversation that was going on was Netflix and Cannes, right? Right. Yeah. Uh, and it was, the, it was this issue of Netflix declining, basically saying, like, we are not going to screen our films in theaters. And that has kind of been their thing, and, and that's, that's one of the... I think that they're unique in terms of streaming companies that produce their own original content. Um, mm -hmm. Because Amazon 
uh, usually gives their films at least some kind of a theatrical release. And it's not a token release so that they qualify for the Oscars. They actually put it in the theater and market it for the theater yeah, way before right. it comes to Prime. Yeah, so, so Netflix has, this, this has been their model. This is the model that they're chasing. Um, and, you know, to give them credit for good or evil, they're sticking with it. And they're saying that this is what we're going to continue to do. The conversation, at least among film critics and among cinephiles, very quickly turned into theaters versus streaming again. And we have this tendency to, to mark down um, Netflix and streaming are somehow exactly the same. And we need to make a little bit of division there because streaming as a whole, streaming is also Amazon, streaming is Vudu, streaming is Filmstruck, streaming mm -hmm. is all of these different film companies and streaming services, some of whom are producing their own content and some of whom are simply, you know, buying licenses and showing, you know, the Filmst Filmstruck has, the, has a deal with the Criterion Collection. Right, so these are like lots of different things are going on, but if we're only, if we're talking about streaming, streaming has made more movies of more kinds available to more people, period. That really is- just complaining the last time that people can't watch more classic films because access is limited? It, right. No, exactly, exactly, exactly. So this, this whole conversation where everyone is like, well, why don't you watch more classic movies? Like we can watch classic movies because of streaming. All of this talk about like, you know, I will only see, you know, there, there's this become this attitude of like, we're only going to see movies in the movie theater. Just like, no, you know what? In New York City, I can go and watch, you know, 35 millimeter prints of films that I want to see. I can go see, you know, Martin Scorsese and his group having restored the red shoes. I can go do that. Most people in this country can't, mm -hmm. right? And so right. are you saying that I, that me, or, or someone who, who's in Los Angeles or Chicago or Austin, that we're the only people that are allowed to experience those films? No, of course not. That's, that's bullshit, right? Because I can also now go on to Filmstruck and sit down and watch The Red Shoes and I can show it. If I have kids, I could show it to my kids. I can show it to my friends. I can recommend it to people. And, and people actually get to experience these films. I don't understand the perspective of a cinephile who says, who is against more people having more access to more different types of films. I don't understand yeah. it. Well, and I just want to jump back to this Netflix versus Can. That was all very well stated, by the way, Lauren. Sorry, thank, thank you. you. <laughs> no, no, that was that was very good. Thank you. I really appreciated that perspective. But just to bring it back to Netflix versus Can really fast again, too. I just want to point out they're not saying that there's like Can didn't say there's anything wrong with streaming. They're saying if your movie isn't going to be playing in a theater in France, then you can't compete. Because the Cannes Film Festival, it takes place in France, and well, they want to celebrate films that are going to be available to their audience there. And exactly. so, yeah, and so, I mean, this isn't even just about, you know, this isn't just an attack on Netflix and their distribution model in the United States. This is like, hey, we want to be able to enjoy your films here in our theaters, so... Ultimately, it's a French film festival, and exactly. there, it's the fat. The reason this is a debate just because it is one of the preeminent festivals. Yes, exactly. So, 
But, you know, looking at that lineup, there's going to be some pretty awesome stuff. And I'm excited for the news out of Cannes, even if it means that some of these great Netflix movies won't be there. Potentially great. I don't know. I've seen some of their other stuff that's not. But then they also gave us Mudbound, and I will yeah. forever be grateful for that. So well, They also gave us Mute, and I haven't forgiven them for that. So. <laughs> well, and, and Can I believe Can is very upset right now because uh, one of the films that Netflix that Netflix has bankrolled and that Netflix is, was going to be showing is the Orson Welles film, The Other Side of the Wind. Yeah. And that was originally, like, Orson Welles has a long and very contentious relationship with Can. Um, but that's one of the things that has upset a lot of people, that this is not going to be screened at Cannes. And, I mean, I, I don't have a side on this one, because I think they're both being stupid. And I think, mm-hmm. I think that Cannes is being resistant to what is the future of cinema. Uh, and Netflix is a part of that in one way or another. And I think that Netflix is being very limited in their view, and they should consider, you know, theatrical releases if if that's something that is actually going to get them exposed to more people right but the the problem is the people aren't going to get to see the movies that's just show the goddamn films god yeah exactly exactly i mean netflix isn't really raking in the awards elsewhere so why are they worried about not being competitive (laughs) for can awards that's true i don't know I mean, maybe maybe they <laughs> but, think that they would be. Maybe the films that they have going in that direction, they they feel are actually going to put them on the map in that way. Hey, Mudbound was nominated for four Oscars, so and it deserved every one of those four. It should have been so. nominated for more. Yeah. It should have been. It should have been nominated for at least seven, but that's you know neither here nor there. Um, but yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting to see where this leads and what happens when this conversation inevitably comes back around next year so uh okay so let's move on from there we did get a question from a listener brian b which is at dynasty 86 what are some past and present examples of well-written female characters that's a great question brian who wants to start um well i mean for past i would say a great example is like anything Catherine Hepburn played, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. particularly like Stage Door. Actually, a lot of the women in Stage Door I think are written really well. Um, something like Adam's Rib, she's really good in. Um, modern. I'm trying to think. I just keep wanting to think cla- like classic era. Julie Andrews, I would say, in something like Americanization of Emily. Um, I do always. I I was talking about this the other day, and I'll probably bring it up when we talk about Incredibles 2 but Doris Day in the thrill of it all a great movie about a dude that can't handle that his wife has a job and makes more money than he does <laughs> nice Lauren Kim uh the one that I just thought of is almost a cheat but I think that it's interesting what was done with it um Hildy in his girl Friday oh yeah god you took mine <laughs> and, uh, see there you go that was exactly but, what i was gonna say you know for anyone who knows the the history of that of that film um it hildy it's it's based on the front page which is which i believe was originally a play and then it was a film um which was originally about two men and of course howard hawks and i forget who the screenwriter was for was it just hawks for his girl friday i don't know uh 
but they they transpose the character to be a woman and to have actually been married to her to her newspaper editor and the transformation the thing is that it's not like they took the the male character and just made him a woman they actually constructed a, a Hildy as a very different figure and the relationship between her and Walter as a, a very different relationship, a very contentious relationship, a very passionate relationship. And she is, I mean, she's just a spectacular female character and she's amazing, you know, and, and part of it is the way that Ross Russell plays her, but uh, she's amazing to watch and she's just a wonderful, um, she's a wonderful image of what can be done with a female character who just sort of defies uh, all of the stereotypes that women are supposed to be, particularly in that time period. So that's, that's my immediate one. I can't think of a contemporary one right now. Wonder Woman. I'm, s- <laughs> I'm struggling, yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> Um, and I'd have to uh, throw out, and I was, I think it was last week's that I talked about it as well, but I'd go back to the Where the Boys Are Well, um, Dolores Hart playing Merritt in that. Just, I mean, yes, it's a teen film, yes, it's fluffy, but I've just always loved how that character kind of flies in the face of the stereotypes of that period, how she'll, you know, she'll spar with, you know, the George Hamilton character. They they do such interest there's such interesting things that are done with that character and she's one that stands out for me yeah man there are so many good ones um gosh you know mine is one of my very favorites is not really classic i think it's not old enough quite to be classic but i freaking love ellen ripley <laughs> she's amazing <laughs> yeah mm-hmm. i I grew up with Ellen Ripley and Princess Leia, and I'm so grateful that I got to grow up in that world and see awesome, badass women. There are a lot of not badass women at the same they're, time they're period. Both what, they're but, both under ni- under 1980, right? Uh, yeah, I think Alien came out in 79, and Star Wars was in 77. Well, they can, yeah. they can both still technically be on my classic film podcast, so I think they count. Okay, good. All right. Well, there you go. And then some modern examples. I mean, I think that we're getting better examples. But yeah, the first one that immediately popped into my head was Wonder Woman. Yeah. I just, I love, I love how well-rounded she was and that she was allowed to have emotions and things. Like <laughs> the scene, the part where she and Chris Pine are in London and she's walking down the street and she's like, oh, baby. Like that was just, <laughs> like that kills me every time because it's so funny and so accurate because I do the same thing. <laughs> but yeah, anyway, I'm just glad that we're seeing more and more good female characters coming about. So um let's see okay moving on thank you again for that question we love questions so anytime you have one please just send it our way you can tag our our podcast and we will definitely talk about it um okay so some sad news came out this morning milos foreman oscar-winning director passed away um and i that one was a surprise. I, I I don't know why. I mean, he was older, but it was just kind of a surprising bit of news to wake up to this morning. But he directed One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. He, oh, guys, help me out here. He, he directed did, Amadeus. He did Amadeus. He did um, 
People, People versus, versus Larry Flint. Flint. He did the second best version of Dangerous Liaisons. He did Belmont. It's a good one. If you haven't seen it, oh yeah, yeah. Colin Firth and Annette Bening. That one's great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, and um, he is one of very few directors to win more than one directing prize. Um, he won for One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest in 75, he won for Amadeus, and he was actually nominated again for People vs. Larry Flint. So. Cough, cough, um, his best movie. I'm stand by that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I love Cuckoo's Nest. That movie yeah. is, it really is deserving of every ounce of praise it has ever received. So there's so much good stuff with that, and so... Anyway, um, I don't know if you guys want to say anything, but I just wanted to say, this is this this is a loss that hurts. He was eighty six years old. Yeah. I'll throw out the love for Amadeus. That was always a favorite of mine. <laughs> yeah, good stuff. All right. Um, okay, so we had some trailers this week. We had a lot Lots of, trailers of trailers this week. <laughs> um, so let's talk about. Um, Okay, well, first of all, we had gotten a teaser trailer for Ocean's 8 a while back, but this time we finally have a full-on official trailer. <laughs> Who was as excited as Lauren? <laughs> I'm so excited, you have no idea. Why don't you talk to us about it? <laughs> it's gonna be so good. I don't care. Like it's like all of these awesome women being awesome, and they're gonna pull off a heist. That's what's happening. Like I, d- yeah, it's gonna be great. That's. I am excited too. I am so looking forward to this. I, that- you know, I was not even skeptical when I heard they were doing it. I was like, well, of course that's gonna work. But the more I've seen and the more I've heard, the more I'm just like, this movie's going to be fucking awesome and I can't wait. They're they're getting better with each and every one. Because I, I will freely admit to being, oh god, another Oceans movie. Dear god, why? But this that trailer was awesome. I, I enjoyed the hell out of that. I'm still a little skeptical. I'm sorry! I'm sorry! You're wrong. Um, you're wrong. <laughs> you're wrong. It's okay. We know that you're wrong about things. I mean, we... She will learn the error of her ways soon. I enough. mean, I want it to be good. Um, I like Gary Ross. He He's the director of this and the writer, um, one of the screenwriters. I feel like this, this trailer, though, showed its hand a little too quickly because you're led to believe that Anne Hathaway is some like type of rube or villain or something and then the ending shot with them all on the train i was like okay so she's working with them like maybe no i think it's obvious uh i mean that was kind of my thing um but i love the cast i i'm pretty sure like the coat game in this is gonna kill me so i mean i want this to be good I, i'm not rooting that it's gonna be bad um i'm well, just good, I, i'm still it's... skeptical because it's gonna be good and, <laughs> and it's so you you won't be disappointed by the fact just, that it's good just number, remember that number after one movie of the year number one movie of the year lauren's calling it right i mean now. i mean i'm gonna say <laughs> it was this, your most anticipated this, wasn't it yes it was this could be the worst fucking movie ever <laughs> and i will come on here and just be like this was the best movie I had so like <laughs> no seriously like I'm just so this this is what I have wanted my entire life basically. You do know so. that this will be the game when this movie comes out. We will all have to determine which member of the group if of the Ocean's Eight we are. Oh, for I sure. This. Of for sure. And it comes yes. out June eighth. In case anybody it does needs to have June that on the calendar. Eighth. 
everybody needs to have that on their calendar, Kristen. <laughs> uh, I, will, I will put that next to the royal wedding of, the, of things that's on my calendar. Okay. Well, speaking of heist movies, we go from one that is, looks amazing and will be awesome and stars all women to one that is apparently pretty darn good, but it's all boys, and that is American Animals. <sighs> Yay! Okay. Here's the thing. I'm... I'm still not sure if I made the right choice or not. I had a ticket in my hand at Sundance and I had to go see a different movie instead that seemed more awards baity. And you made the wrong decision. While that movie was good, I don't think that I should have skipped American Animals. You shouldn't have. You shouldn't have. I, I got a ticket from somebody else and I was glad I got to see it. Yeah. I, I, I saw it uh, last week. Okay. Well, do you guys think that the trailer is a good representation of the film? Because I thought the trailer looked pretty darn good. It is. It is. Um, I, I, having seen the movie, for me, it does wear its influences, or not influences, because Bart Layton would say he wasn't influenced by, by the films that I brought up to him, but I saw a lot of commonalities to other movies that had done the same story with women. Um, there are heist films that have women and, in them, um, and some of them do draw things that are similar to this. So I'm, I'm going to be very interested to see when this comes out and people, and I bring up those references to other uh, female-led movies, and hear people try to say that this one's better. Um, but the movie's great, so I, I'm excited for more people to see it. See, I was, cool. I was a little on the other hand. I was kind of, I wanted it to show a bit more of the tone and the sense of sense of humor is the wrong word but just how the film you know uses tone uses form i thought there was such interesting things that i didn't feel came across in the trailer it felt very like a straightforward trailer to me and it felt like there's so much more to that movie okay well i'm looking forward to seeing it i'm hoping i get a second chance it's gonna actually be the opening night at newport beach film festival here in orange county california not to be confused with newport rhode island um, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm hoping to see it there. But uh, it does open in theaters June 1st. So, And if you watch Check it and you out. love it, go back and look at Bart Layton's directorial debut, The Imposter. One of the best documentaries that I've seen uh, in the last, like, 15 years. You should go see it. It's good. Nice. All right. Um, so we got a trailer for, I mean, we're getting into summer movies and sometimes they are ridiculous and sometimes you get a movie called The Meg, <laughs> uh, <laughs> which I think is going to be ridiculous and stupid and so fun. They have been, they have been trying to adapt Steve Alton's novel for at least 15 years, 20, I mean, I don't even remember when the book came out. I remember reading it when they announced that the movie was going to happen the first time. And th there are several books in the Meg series, by the way. So if this is successful, holy shit, are you going to be in for a lot of stuff? Because this goes like uh, Jaws 3 and beyond. Jason Statham franchise I'm in. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, that trailer made me really happy. I'm really embarrassed to admit it. And they, ha as soon as they made that cut to play Beyond the Sea, I was in. I'm very... But I will, oh, also, yeah. I will also freely admit that I enjoy Crank 1 and Crank 2. I, those are both 
guilty pleasure movies for me, and I will pretty much see anything Jason Statham does. I remember this being, like, considered a prestige film. Like, I remember when they wanted Tom Cruise to play this character, uh-huh. and I think at a certain point Eli Roth was going to direct <laughs> it. Um, like, Kristen, why do you have to I'm not even like kidding. That? I have been following this project <laughs> as it's slowly, like, fallen down the shit ladder to where it is now. And I say that with love, because I think this is going to be, like... This would have been amazing with Tom Cruise. Are you kidding? <laughs> it looks so terrible and so amazing at the same time. That's it why like it looks so amazing. had money behind it. Yes. Oh, yeah, gosh. exactly. But that, that's the thing. It seems like it's very aware of itself. It's like, okay, yeah. this is a big, dumb shark movie. That's what this is. And you were, you're going there to see Jason Statham punch a gigantic shark in the nose <laughs> or something like that. Like, that's that's what it's there. Like, that's why you have Beyond the Sea playing. Yeah, it's exactly. ridiculous. And it knows this. <laughs> like, yes, we're going to fight a big-ass shark. I, I will give sorry, it credit. I need a minute. I'm mourning the fact that Tom Cruise is not in this movie. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I will give it credit. It does have a director. Like, it's directed by John Turtletop. Yeah. That's, I did see who that. Who did I, National Treasure. <laughs> and I do Which have a Which was soft a spot. ridiculously fun right. movie. I was going to say, another spot. movie I enjoy the hell out of. Yes. I have, mm-hmm. I have a soft spot for um, National Treasure. But As you but should. It, he also did... Like, every movie you remember from the 90s that you liked, like, Cool Runnings and While You Were Sleeping. And I know he hasn't made anything good since the first National Treasure. But maybe, maybe this will work out. <laughs> yeah. I mean. Go see yes. it. I'm, I, yeah. I'm there. I'm surprised this isn't I will go for the, the Jason summer. Statham. Yeah, August 10th. So, hopefully it'll be kind of a... Hopefully August 2018 will be way better than August 2017 because, oh my gosh, there were several weeks last summer where there was just nothing good. And it was very sad. So, anyway. All right. Let's see. What else do we have? We had a trailer for, um, uh, let's see, Hot Summer Nights, Kristen. Uh, okay. <laughs> How long do we think this has been sitting on someone's shelf waiting for the day Timothy Chalamet becomes something? That's exactly... I mean, as big as his name was in that trailer, probably a while. Well, I, I, yeah, I think it was... I don't think they were waiting for him to become something. I well, no, I mean, just, I think... Hey, he became something. Now let's put his name really giant right. the point, <laughs> everywhere. The point I'm making... It was waiting for Call Me By Your Name. The, the point I'm making is that, yeah, this is um, a movie that looks like it's been sitting for a while because Timothy Chalamet looks really young um it's a coming of age story only it's just a different location and there's gonna be drugs involved I'm you know um my sweet baby angel I mean I'm gonna probably go see it it has the temerity to be two hours which I'm not cool with but I mean I'll give it a try it looks like crap though I'm just gonna be honest it looks crappy it looks like those cheesy like summertime Cinemax movies back in the day (laughs) (laughs) I am totally okay with Timothy Chalamet wanting to remake like Red Shoe Diaries or something okay (laughs) let's make other weird Cinemax shit that was like relevant in the 90s yeah uh, I don't know we'll see I just I I thought it was funny because I 
<laughs> I saw the trailer for this. I had to write it up for a word circuit. And then I was thinking, because I had just done a, a profile on Beautiful Boy, which comes out in the fall. And I, so it like hit me like, wait a second. Okay, so this summer we have Timothy Chalamet starring as a kid who like helps start a weed empire. And then in the fall, he plays a kid who's going through recovery and addiction for meth. <laughs> like, I think we need to worry a little bit about Timothy he's, Chalamet. He's, going he's through, pulling out all the stops for that Oscar. He's going through the natural coming of age stuff that he thinks all teenagers go through, which is get really baked over the summer and then you go to college and you struggle to like focus so you start taking meth i mean he's just trying to have the all-american experience through film with a little army hammer thrown in oh my gosh yes so this is if you were all wondering this is how elio gets over exactly basically he doesn't I, I I start I don't know why this was I started watching it and then halfway out I blanked through and started thinking of Under the Silver Lake yes yeah, yeah. yeah. oh similar, my god same thing yeah this is a directorial debut for Elijah Bynum but it premiered I think last year at South by Southwest as a work in progress and so did well Call Me By Your Name was at Sun, uh, Sundance so um, yeah, I don't know. We'll see. This will be in theaters July 27th. And be sure to check out that super cool 80s style movie poster. So <laughs> 80s. It really is. <laughs> um, okay, so another... Mo- well, let's stick with the young folks. So we had a trailer for Mary Shelley. So, okay, I have thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> so many thoughts. I am an English major. So I was as an English am major. I. Um, yeah. So Shelley is kind of like what every freshman college girl like they think she understands their inner soul. Um, I want this to be good. It's directed by Haifa Almansor, who did Wajda, which I just saw for the first time last week, and I really, really enjoyed it. And then I found out she was making this, and somebody I know who saw it said that it wasn't good. And I was really bummed. So I watched the trailer for this. This looks like if uh, Pride and Prejudice and Zombies was, like, boring. Um, And I say that as someone who (laughs) loves Pride and Prejudice and Zombies. Like, if all the life had been sucked out of it by a vampire, and all that was left was a drab, sad movie where Elle Fanning gets an English accent, and she thinks she's Lizzie Bennet in the wrong movie. So... Just the dead-eyed Percy Shelley, played by Douglas Booth, who was in Prime Prejudice and Zombies. And I'm sorry, if you're gonna have a Byron figure, you need to do a fuck of a lot better than the guy they got to play him in here. Um, <laughs> yeah. I was just really pissed. Um, and the fact that they're, you know, any girl who reads Frankenstein as an adult, like, that book is so nuanced, you know, and it's it, it stands for a lot of different things, including being an abortion allegory. And... I just feel like Elle Fanning's iteration of Mary Shelley would not know any of that. Yeah, it I agree. looked yeah. like if Mary Shelley were a hastily produced CW TV series. Yes. Oh my god. Yes. Yeah. Like a crappy one season one. A crap. Yeah, a crappy quickly canceled, and we know this would be have to be bad because CW lets everything run. But this would be a canceled CW TV series. Yeah. Totally. So, okay, let's move on from that. 
Um, let's talk about hot summer nights. Didn't we do that? No, sorry. <laughs> I was about to say we Not just hot did. Hot summer didn't nights. <laughs> I was looking at another movie and I said that one. I don't know why. Apparently, I really want to talk about that. Timothy Chalamet is so adorable. We got to talk about him twice. Oh my gosh, no. Let's move on from that. Let's talk about Ron Swanson. I mean, uh, Nick Offerman. <laughs> he was, his new movie, Hearts Beat Loud, had a trailer, too. This is another film that I did not actually have a ticket for this one, but I wanted to get a ticket for this one at Sundance. So I've heard good. really good things about it. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It looks, it's, you know, it's a father and daughter bonding story it's got a, just a lot of it looks like it just is funny and delightful did you see it kim i did and the trailer was such a good representation and i i had just gotten that song out of my head after sundance and it is <laughs> now back in but now it was such a good trailer and that was probably my favorite movie of sundance it's just so much heart and so fun and nick offerman is just so adorable and there's so many good things and i thought the trailer worked really well to show that nice. the trailer reminded me of what i wanted begin again to be yes, yes I that, can see that. yeah 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 i like that comparison that's a good one so i'm excited about it uh june 8th it will be out so all right and the final trailer we have is some some kids movie called Incredibles 2 so let's move on <laughs> I, yet again Karen has no soul who hurt you Karen <laughs> Why the don't Incredibles you hurt me <laughs> yeah anyway alright you guys talk about that one because I don't want to do you genuinely not like the Incredibles I really did not. In the end of the first movie, when Underminer or whatever his name is comes up out of the ground, he's like, I've been underground for 30 years. I was like, go back under the freaking ground. Nobody cares. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Why don't you just punch a puppy in the face, Karen? Just, just rise I up. I like puppies. <laughs> so, okay. Um, I saw the trailer for this. The first trailer was a tease. And so we didn't really yes. know what the plot was. And this, I did not expect the plot to be this. So apparently they want to bring back superheroes, but they everybody realizes, rightly, that women get shit done. So they decide to make Mrs. Incredible the face of this new superhero movement. And that, of course, leaves her to spend less time with her family. And Her name is Elastigirl, not Mrs. That's Incredible. That's right, that's right. Excuse me. Um, so, <laughs> so it leads... Even I know that, Kristen. Oh my gosh. Uh, so at least <laughs> Mr. Incredible to be like, what am I going to do? I got to raise kids. Parenting is hard. Um, I'm hoping it does not go the way of something like Cheaper by the Dozen, which is like the mom realizes, holy shit, work is bad. And I need to be here with my kids because nobody else oh, is going to do it. I really don't right. want that to be how this movie goes. I want this to be a movie where the guy has to figure shit out and be like, why the hell haven't I raised my kids significantly all this time? Um, and it made me think of The Thrill of It All, which is a James Garner Doris Day movie where she becomes this, like, spokesperson, and he's like, holy shit, my wife's not at home taking care of stuff. I need to figure out a way to get her to do that because, God forbid, I actually have to do something. Um, and I, I just, I want it to be a progressive look at how a woman can have it all and be a superhero and kick some ass and... Like, her kids don't hate her for it at the end of the day. 
I want more hidden figures, less cheaper by the dozen. I, I just just based upon the original film, I have a feeling that it it will probably go in a more progressive direction. Um, I mean, generally, the the Incredibles, the the first one was very much about the entire family becoming superheroes, and I can't imagine yeah. that they're just going to discard that uh, in in the second film. You know, you, you never know, and it's obvious that they're also going to do some of the the jokes about like the father trying to help his son with math and trying to deal with the fact that their baby is like a, a fire demon or whatever the hell else he is. <laughs> like, I can't wait to find out that whole part of the plot. Um, but yeah, I mean, it it looks adorable. It looks like just another sort of offshoot of of the the original film, and I'm I'm totally down for I'm it. I'm still pissed that it took over a decade to get this. <laughs> like, goddamn. Um, and I hope it means that Brad Bird is back to making good things. Um, actually, I'm the only one I think that likes Tomorrowland, so Brad Bird's never done wrong yep. by me. So I'm hoping that this is good, and it has. The return of Frozone's wife, Bunny, in the trailer. She's literally yes. the best scene in this movie. <laughs> Bunny is my idol, um, and so I want to see more of her. I'd love to see her. Like, that would be great, but I think that would ruin the effect. Yes. All right. June 15th, by the way. Yes, June 15th, and we'll see what happens. <laughs> I mean, it took a long time to get a Finding Nemo sequel, and that didn't exactly... Not everything so well. is Finding so. Dory. It can't hurt you anymore, Karen. <laughs> <laughs> Becky is free. Like Finding Dory. I, I, oh. I like Finding Dory aside from the Becky bashing. That there were some questionable Becky and things. Becky yes. Gerald and... Yeah. There were some questionable things, but there was a lot yeah. of good in it. Yeah, there's Sigourney there's... Weaver. Like, come on, who the yeah. hell is that? <laughs> Everything's better when Sigourney Weaver walks yeah. in. Um, <laughs> all right. So let's move on from trailers. And kind of the last thing that we're going to do is um, some reviews, just kind of what we've been watching. Uh, since you guys already talked, since Kim and Kristen already talked last week about A Quiet Place, and I wasn't here because I was up in the mountains. Whose fault was that? Um, well... It was the mountain's fault for being beautiful. <laughs> Karen, you so. wanting time away. My goodness. I know. How <laughs> dare <laughs> I? <laughs> so, um, but anyway, and then Lauren hadn't had a chance to see it. So this week, Lauren and I both got to see A Quiet Place. Yay. And so let's just take a few minutes and chat about it. Lauren, why don't you start? What did you think? Uh, I mean, I think I'm just going to wind up repeating what everybody said last week, which is that I loved it. Uh, it. It's it's a great, I love horror films, and I particularly like it when horror films actually find, not not a gimmick, but an, a, I mean, I'll call it a gimmick because I can't think of another word for it, but find a gimmick and actually really play it out to, to its, its final extent. And one of my favorites for that is The Birds, uh, which actually doesn't which is very similar to a quiet place in its own way because it's almost entirely um ambient sound it's the sound of the birds it's the um sound of the people and and all of that and a quiet place does a similar thing in its use of sound um i loved it it's it's just a, a good scary tight 90 minute film and it it hits all of the right notes. There were a few questions that I had, but I was willing to go along with it 
One of my questions was, why are they not practicing safe sex? Uh, <laughs> yeah. In in Thank a time you. period, response to that. In a time period where you know you, if a woman gets pregnant, you are going to have some serious issues, both giving birth to the child and the fact that babies cry. Uh, so, I literally yeah. like nudged my friend. I was like, "Look, I know John Krasinski's hot, but they were just in a pharmacy. There were condoms. Birth control is not one hundred percent effective. Condoms I'm just help. gonna okay. say. You know I mean, what? I'm There's just saying not a that reason. like. I, things can still happen. Things can still happen, but at the same time, I'm like, really? There's ways to be really? proactive. Yes. Really, at the in this time of of great stress, like is that this was this what we're doing? But I how you know man wrote it. I understood <laughs> the, the point, and and like I was willing to go along with that. Like I, it didn't exactly damage the film for me. <laughs> or he's bearded John Krasinski and he just looked wrong and it just happened. Yeah, she just Yeah, she was that was probably pregnant. it. Just spontaneously <laughs> pregnant. Um oh, yeah. but yeah, I think it made a really great use of it. I liked I'm not gonna do any spoilers, but I, I there there were some complaints about the ending and that the the kind of the some of the twists uh were a little too pat or something like that. I actually found it very effective. And uh, I think that they used they used the twist. He used the twist in a very interesting way. My my roommate actually compared it to Signs, which I I said was wrong. Because, I kept thinking about that because Signs is a terrible fucking movie, and I fucking hate Signs so violently. And I do not hate this movie, so it's not Signs. Awesome. <laughs> I I actually get the science comparisons. I enjoy science. I think it's a good movie. I think this has similarities, but this is like a much more mature grown-up version. Yeah, yeah, I would agree. Of with it, that. it's it's more thought out. The things that happen in it are not coincidences. They are intentional, and I thought that was pretty cool. So I I liked that. I this movie. I mean, I saw it twice. I loved it. I loved it. It's really funny because the whole like her getting pregnant thing didn't really phase me because of the fact that I kept thinking, because I heard you guys talk about that last week and I was just like, ah, birth control is not always effective. Sometimes <laughs> stuff happens. But the thing that got me today, my roommate and I went and saw it and she leans over to me and she goes, who plowed the cornfields? And I was like, oh my gosh, <laughs> you're right. <laughs> you're totally right. <laughs> I was more taken aback by the fact that like John Krasinski's beard is like delicately maintained. I was like, so. Uh, it's not actually. If you look closely, you it's, it's kind of scruffy. <laughs> but it just make noise. Like, yeah, no, but they make That's just some it. It's noise, not so perfectly <laughs> quaffed. It's, it's, you know, it's, it's perfectly perfect. Exactly I, I the way it needs that. to be. I support, all oh. I support that. Oh, man. But that's the thing that I was noticing, too, like, the, on the second viewing. Like, some of the little details um, where, I mean, like, um, Millicent Simmons, the first time mm -hmm. you see her. Well, okay, technically, it's the second time you see her because the opening scene is, you know, one time and then it jumps forward like a year and a half. But so when you see her and she's, like, laying in the sand. Her fingernails are super dirty. And then you see Emily Blunt and it's like her face is dirty. And it's all these things where it's like, yeah, they have to be super careful about details. Like how, how often they can bathe and stuff like that. Because they have to be so quiet all the time. And 
I really liked the the family drama that's going on and all of the the things that are are all part of stuff that people would be dealing with if they're really in this situation. You know, I mean, we don't know the full scope of what happened. You get little clues that at some point in 2020, aliens invaded and they weren't prepared and they couldn't deal with it. But there are just like family dynamics that happen and this is still, there's still people that, yes, they're trying to survive, but they're also just trying to live together and... I, I love that. This is one of the... I cannot even think of the last time a horror movie had a scene that made me cry. And I was crying in a part of this. And it just... It's so well done. Um, I also was a little bit hesitant... Or a little bit uh, nervous, skeptical about seeing a married couple play a married couple on screen because that doesn't always work out so well but oh my gosh those two are so beautiful together they They really were so great I loved I loved watching them and it's so clear from the way that the way that the film progresses it's so clear how just enamored of his wife John Krasinski (laughs) is just the way that he showcases her throughout the film so yeah, I love it. I loved everything about it. It's it's fantastic. Um, but yeah, I am really curious now how they plowed the cornfields so perfectly when they couldn't use a plow. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right, um, Kristen, you saw rant. Well, let's. How about first you talk about a little movie <laughs> called <laughs> Zoolander? Okay, so some context. I need to stop telling people that I'm going to watch Justin Thoreau movies because you all seem to enjoy making me watch them, and then I instantly <laughs> regret them. You should have no regrets for this movie, yeah, Kristen. Okay, so... No regrets. My background with this, and by the way, thank you to the patron that paid to make me watch this movie. Uh, this Yes, thank you very much. You <laughs> did a good deal. Uh, this all came about because we were talking about Zoolander, and I had said that I hadn't seen it, and then... Lauren and Karen proceeded to like start sending me gifts and I was like I don't get this because I've never seen this movie. I had seen about <laughs> 10 minutes of this movie before because um, somebody had told me that Alexander Skarsgård was in it and I was like oh and then I watched it and then he's like there for about 15 minutes and then he dies and I was like well this movie's not relevant to me, and me anymore um, and I just never gone back and watched it um, and I've, I've officially seen it now. I still don't get what the fuck you guys see in this movie. <laughs> I was like, I get the joke. I get it. I get what everybody's saying. I'm just not finding... Like, Will Ferrell had a couple lines that I thought were, were chuckle-worthy. Um, All of them are. There's some really great <laughs> coats that um, Owen Wilson wears that are amazingly extravagant, that are great. And I always like Christine Taylor. Uh, I think she's she's always going to be Marcia, but I love her and everything. So, I mean, I it wasn't a sit where I was, like, ready to gouge my eyes out. It wasn't mute. There's that. Uh, but at the same time, I was just like, maybe, maybe I didn't see this at the right time in my life. I think Tropic Thunder is better. Um, Ooh. Yeah. I agree, but... (laughs) Um, No, I agree with that, but Zoolander is a gem. Is it? Is it? Yes. So, yeah. It um, is. 
I've seen it, and I really wish you all had maybe warned me. Not, I knew that Justin Throw A had a small part in it. B was probably gonna be slathered Justin in Thoreau horrible, it, horrible makeup and a shitty fucking wig, because that seems to be his mo in comedy. I'm saying that with air quotes. Um, <laughs> but y'all could have maybe warned me that there was breakdance fighting, because <laughs> at that point I was just like, you. Son of a bitch. <laughs> How fucking dare you? So Kristen I don't even have it. any. Uh, yeah. She, just, she thought Zoolander was the best comedy ever. And she is going All to time. just like watch it every year. See, Chris- yep. Kristen, I will say that had to. Zoolander had to grow on me. The first time I watched it was I think when it came out in theaters. And I was very. Eh, eh. Years have followed and viewings, it's, I'm right with everyone else, it's a cult classic and it's amazing. It gets better it every gets time better. you watch so, it. It really new, does. New Patreon <laughs> challenge, Kristen has to watch Zoolander again. Oh god. I dread, I dread saying anything more about Jess and Thoreau movies because like, they don't get better, okay? They just don't. <laughs> And I am genuinely terrified of the next movie that somebody throws out that I should sit through because I have You mean Mulholland Drive? Um, that actually is like the one quality <laughs> film in the man's filmography, okay? <laughs> that, okay, two, that American Psycho. I mean, those are like it. And then everything else is just like a long, slow fall to the bottom, okay? He's lucky he's hot. Y'all can't give Army Hammer shit for anything because his filmography is not nearly as terrible. You need but to go I don't want to punch Justin no, Thoreau's face. I want to kiss it. Kim, we're not going full throw because the last time I did that with somebody, <laughs> it was a horrible nightmare hellscape. Okay, we never go again. Never again. You never really go full assault ever. <laughs> hey Kim. Yes. What have you watched this week? <laughs> we'll come back to Kristen in a minute. She needs to calm down. You mean aside going full Simpson? <laughs> see? See? We all do really fucked up things when we're high on something. Let's talk more specifically so that people don't think you've been watching Apu all week. Oh, that's true. I need to, I need to collect myself. <laughs> oh. <laughs> So I was to go to go into the details. I was binging, you know, Westworld's getting ready to come back up. Um, season two starts in a couple of weeks, and I was going okay. I, I hadn't made it all the way through the first season, so I was rewatching it. And I started looking and watching, and but uh, Jimmy Simpson, who people would he's forever known as that guy who you've seen in things. <laughs> I started taking notice and I don't want to go into, you know, too, too much who he plays. Needless to say, he runs a lot around a lot with Evan Rachel Wood in the series in a cowboy hat and cowboy clothes and a really great coat. And (laughs) (laughs) so I, I started watching and kept watching and got pulled into the ship. I'm like, oh, this, these, these two are really cute and adorable together. And I'm enjoying this. And a week later, I'm, watching everything the man has ever done including three episodes of newsroom which he has two lines in and 
seven episodes of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, which is a show that I typically hate. <laughs> Kim is my people. She is me. Yes. I have never, I have tried to watch. Everybody has told me how amazing It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia is. People talk so highly about it. I've never gotten into that show. I've tried and tried. This Jimmy Simpson has gotten me to watch seven episodes of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia in two days. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Nothing ever good happens from going full Burnthal, I'm just telling you. Kim knows. I, Kim knows. I, so there was there was that. There was I'm kind of binged six episodes of that USA crime drama Unsolved which is Jimmy Simpson in the early 90s solving the Tupac Shakur notorious B.I.G. murders. Oh. Totally outside of my scope, but and he's running around in a porn stash, but, you know, it's... You enjoyed the hell out of it, and I'm watching it every week now. I'm having to go back to live viewing on it. <laughs> but I'm getting getting down to the bottom of it. I'm getting down to Full Simpson here, and we've got things like Debs and Herbie Fully Loaded coming up. Oh, and... I cannot wait till you get to Herbie Fully Loaded. You have no idea. <laughs> I maintain that movie's not as bad as it's it should be. It's not terrible. It's not. <laughs> There, there. It, he was in a This Is Us episode that I'll need to find. Oh, Karen can help you he out was? there. That's he was. Ooh, Karen will help you out. I'm gonna find it. Um. All right, Kristen. You also saw Rampage. Yeah, I did. I did a little. Talk a little bit about that. Did a little rampaging this week. Um. So my friend wanted to go. She was really into this movie. She, I guess, played the video game. I had no concept of what this was. So I went. It is a big, dumb action movie in every sense of the word. It is like Mighty Joe Young meets King Kong meets a video game. Judge that how you will. Um, the Rock's charisma only goes so far, um, but he's good. They got the team that did the effects for the war for the Planet of the Apes, so, I mean, the crocodile and the flying bat wolf don't look that very convincing, but the gorilla does, which was kind of neat. Um, I did like that this was a movie that, you know how, like, the Avengers, they try really hard to cover up the fact that, like, they, they make arguments about why people haven't been, like, killed or displaced or stuff like that? This movie makes no bones about the fact that people are getting stomped, eaten, squished. I mean, like, there is so much mass devastation and death that they really just don't care. Um, which leads to a really weird political allegory that this movie tries to make. Like, there's a scene where people come up out of the rubble that just plays like a 9-11 allegory. Oh, and yeah, our villains are Ivanka and Don Jr. I'm not even kidding. Malin Ackerman has, like, stick straight hair, and she wears the A-line dresses, and she is the real, like, quote-unquote brains behind the operation. And then Jake Lacey has Kyle MacLachlan and Showgirls hair. And, like, his ooh, eyes ooh. on shirts, and he's an idiot. So, I mean, it, whether you want it, and they're a brother-sister duo that you're pretty sure have, like, definitely had sex at a certain point. So, I mean, whether you want to say it's the Cheeto president and his daughter or the brother and sister, I don't know. There is a political allegory here, and it's really fucking weird. Um, but the, the MVP, though, is Jeffrey Dean Morgan. Um, this is a movie that is really, like, in the 80s, like, but it tries to make fun of that. So, like, the commandos that are all scarified and, you know, buff and led by Joe Manganiello are proven to be, like, a bunch of morons. 
like the guys in MacGruber that like blow themselves up in their car type of morons. <laughs> um, but Jeffrey Dean Morgan's character is like the rogue FBI agent that like knows what's going on. Hmm, political allegory. I wonder where we know that from. Um, <laughs> but his character is so Texas, so Southern. You're surprised he's not wearing a 10 gallon hat. He like everything he says to The Rock. I'm sorry, he's never gonna be Dwayne Johnson. He's The Rock. Um, everything he says is like, my grandpappy reckons that it's just, it's so stereotypical. Um, it's just, it's like Danny McBride in Tropic Thunder with like the weird like one-liners that just make no sense, but they're supposed to sound <laughs> really cool. So it's a big dumb action movie. If you like that sort of thing, you'll have a lot of fun. Um, if you thought that Godzilla didn't, and Kong Skull Island didn't have enough chaos and tragedy and the you know you weren't rooting enough for the animals to win this is probably right up your alley so not the worst thing i've seen this year but i would never say it's the best the f the first trailer i saw for it i was like this movie looks really stupid it's yep. going along and then jeffrey dean morgan popped up and i go oh wait now you have my attention there's what? literally a line there is literally a line if you don't think that it's a political allegory to begin with there is literally a line where he looks at the uh the villain the jake lacy character and he says since when is complicity a crime and i was like oh come Ooh. on really <laughs> wow all right that's how they hide the messages yes. in the big dumb movies yes. they sneak yeah. them in there <laughs> Yeah. Um, Kim, I would like you to know that I have done my research uh -huh. and the episode of This Is Us that Jimmy Simpson is in is such a good episode. Oh my gosh. I mean, they're all good. But this one is season one, episode 10. Okay. It's called Last Christmas and it was directed by Helen Hunt. Oh. And it's a really good episode. <laughs> I think so. Karen's a little biased. Does he have more than one line? He does. He actually, if he's the character I'm thinking of, if I remember correctly, he actually has a whole character arc. Okay. Okay, good. Several okay. lines. Just in one episode, but, <laughs> mm -hmm. and he has scenes with um, my boyfriend, so. <laughs> so double the yes. fun. Yes. Yes, exactly. So, all right. Anything else anybody wants to bring up, mention, talk about? Uh, what do we all have on tap for the week? What do we have? I am going to see I Feel time? Pretty on Wednesday, and I have a feeling that I won't feel pretty after I see it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to think what. Do I have any screenings I'm, this week? I know I've got a bunch of stuff going on. I'm but. seeing I Feel Pretty, and then Full Simpson continues. <laughs> <laughs> Lauren, are you at Tribeca? Uh, no, pre screenings have actually ended, and then like we get a week break, basically, and then we get to come back with. The actual, the real festival. Um, ah. uh, but I'm hoping that I'm going to get get out to see. You were never really here. Oh, it's so good. I, I'm I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, that one's good. Um, I'm trying to think. I, I swear I know I have something this week, and I cannot think of what it is. Oh well, it doesn't matter. I'll talk about it when I can. But um, so yeah, that's going to wrap it up for this week. Um, of course, you can always listen to the podcast a million different ways. We are on iTunes. We are on Podbean. We, we You can find us, citizendame.podbean.com. We are on Spotify. 
I know a lot of people love to listen to podcasts on Spotify now, according to all the college students that I work with. So, you know, check us out there. Um, lots of different places. If you ever have trouble downloading the podcast or finding it in the normal places that you listen to podcasts, please just let us know and we can look into it and try to figure out what's going on too. Um, and you can follow us on Facebook. I guess we'll stay on Facebook for a while longer or whatever. We've been getting likes. We have gotten two likes. No, I mean, (laughs) I mean because of the Facebook situation. Uh, Facebook being Facebook. Ew. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. Um, So we're Facebook.com/slash Citizen Dame. We are on Twitter at Citizen Dame Pod. We have our awesome website that Kristen has been working so hard on keeping up to date. That is CitizenDamePod.com, and this week's top five is gonna. Unconventionally attractive women we love because Amy Schumer is apparently so grotesque that we need to (laughs) champion the ladies that are equally (laughs) grotesque. Right, exactly. So, thank you for that. It's going to be all women that look like me, I guess. (laughs) I would say the movie said it, okay? All right, and uh, Kristen, where can everyone follow you? You can find me on Twitter at journeys underscore film. And Karen only doesn't like Facebook. She doesn't like the social network. She doesn't like Army Hammer. (laughs) That is not why I don't like the social network. (laughs) But two of them does not. Two of them always Um, help. Actually, you know who I dislike even more is Jesse Eisenberg. Well, yeah, I was going to say the problem with that movie is Eisenberg. Mm-hmm. No, it's Max yeah, Minghella exactly. playing an Indian kid in brown face. <laughs> that does not help either. Um, there are just a lot of problems with that movie, and I will never like it no matter what anybody Future says. Patreon, um, <laughs> we will do a riff of the social network. Okay, let's just be me talking about how much I love two army hammers, and Karen with her grumble face being like, I hate things. Double the pleasure, them. double the fun. <laughs> I am not watching that movie. I don't care how much money people donate to us. Lies and slander. Lies and slander. <laughs> Lauren, where can they find you? At LH Business. <laughs> oh my That's gosh, this has gone off the rails. <laughs> Kim at Kpierce six twenty four. <laughs> and I will be ranting about how much I hate the social network <laughs> at Karen M Peterson. <laughs> First it's Lauren with the Peter Lawford hate, and then it's Karen. Wait, you know, I'm just taking it from all sides. Fuck Peter Lawford. Peter Lawford is a fucking creep. He is a fucking creep. No one likes Peter Lawford. No one. I do. No one does. I'm just gonna go now and just go binge everything that my new love has ever done. I love you, John Krasinski. Call me. <laughs> um. <laughs> 13 hours. If you end up watching the Benghazi movie, I will have such mad respect because I was the only one who went to the theater to go see that piece of shit. Yeah. Well, <laughs> we'll see what happens. I want to say, though, that I I have loved him since the very first episode of The Office. And I just... It's been fun to watch how much he's progressed and college forever. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So that's really going to wrap us up. We're going now for real. So you all have a good week and we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. <laughs> oh my God.
my god. Mr. McMurphy, huh? your medication. What's in the horse pill? It's just medicine. It's good for you. Yeah, but I don't like the idea of taking something if I don't know what it is. Don't get upset, Mr. McMurphy. I'm not getting upset, Miss Pilbo. It's just that I don't want anyone to try and slip me saltpeter. Murphy doesn't want to take his medication orally. I'm sure we can arrange that he can have it some other way. But I don't think you'd like it, Mr. McMurphy. 